Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben. Welcome to the podcast, episode 144 for April 16th, 2012. My guest today is Dr. Dean Gruner. He's the CEO of ThetaCare. He was previously a guest on episode 119 talking about strategy deployment as part of their management system at ThetaCare. Today, we're going to be talking about ACOs or accountable care organizations and how that fits in with a lean perspective at ThetaCare um, related to healthcare reform happening here in the United States. Dr. Gruner is going to be presenting at the Lean Healthcare Transformation Summit. June 6th and 7th in Minneapolis. This is an event that's co-sponsored by the Lean Enterprise Institute and the Theta Care Center for Healthcare Improvement. So I'll be there. I'll be attending. I'm going to be moderating the CEO panel again this year. So I certainly hope to see you there. It's a great event. Um, wonderful speakers from the Healthcare Value Network organizations. Um, just a lot of great attendees and networking and learning and sharing. So you can visit leanblog.org slash healthcare summit. And that'll forward you to the official conference website to learn more and to register. For other episodes, you can go to leanpodcast.org. And for Dr. Gruner's previous episode, go to leanblog.org slash 119. Thanks for listening. Well, Dan, it's a pleasure to talk to you again. Thanks for joining us here on the podcast. Thanks, Mark, for inviting me. So I was wondering if you could start off, um, I think a lot of our listeners, especially those outside of healthcare and, and maybe even some within healthcare, might not know a lot about um, ACOs or accountable care organizations. Could you, would you mind giving us a little bit of an intro about what an ACO is? Uh, I'll try. I think the short version is that um, there are multiple definitions out there. So um, everybody has a little different description of what an ACO is. Uh, I think of it as uh, a mechanism for a group of providers, whether it's a group of physicians, physicians in hospitals, hospitals, or healthcare systems, to be accountable for both the quality and the cost of the care that they're providing to a group of patients. So um, an example of that today that people might be familiar with is Kaiser. So Kaiser provides a premium in their case, but they only provide a premium for their health insurance, but then they become accountable for providing all the services that that person would need under the Kaiser umbrella. But the more evolving ACOs aren't just the models like Kaiser, which is what we would call a staff model, HMO, but there may be groups of physicians and hospitals and other care providers that come together, again, for the purpose of providing a, uh, services to patients and assuming some degree of accountability for both the quality of the care that's provided and the cost of the care that's provided. Now, and, and part of the idea, um, if we were to look at this maybe from a lean perspective, I mean, you talk about um, improving quality and cost, which you know, I think you know, people familiar experience with lean would realize you know, it's possible to do both. Where, where do, you, do those um, improvements come from? Is this a matter of better, better coordination uh, between, let's say, you know, hospital care, primary care? How, how do people in, let's say, you know, different organizations um, collaborate in an ACO? I mean, what, what are the types of benefits 
that we're expecting to see? So let's uh, back up and start with the big picture of how healthcare is paid for or financed. And there's a general agreement, which I, I agree with, that the way we pay for healthcare service today on a fee-for-service basis is one of the root causes to our current low-quality, high-cost system. So the way it works, and for people who aren't in healthcare, may not spend a lot of time thinking about this, but every time you go someplace, for every service that's provided, you are billed for that service, by and large. And the system that that creates is one where the more you do, the more you get paid. In fact, even to the point where sometimes the more you do, even if there are complications, you get paid a second bill. So if somebody comes in and has their first event or surgery, and if the service provided, you bill for it, and if later on they come back several months later or there's problems, you bill for that service too. So um, it is a mechanism, that fee-for-service mechanism, that doesn't it doesn't align well with what patients want. What most of us want as consumers. So taking that a step further, I stand back, and I'm a family practice physician by training, and I think to myself about healthcare and what's the biggest defect in healthcare or in health. And I would argue the biggest defect is illness. So nobody wants to get sick. All of us would prefer to stay healthy, but the way it works today is if we get sick and we go see somebody for that, we get we a bill is generated. But if we're healthy and we don't get sick, nobody gets paid. So we're paying for illness when what we want is wellness. That sounds sort of wacky, doesn't it? <laughs> Not at all. Right. So, yeah. I mean, is, is there expected to be a big impact? I mean, if you look at, say, you know, chronic, uh, you know, people with chronic conditions that might lead them to the ER every couple of weeks if, if let's say, you know, asthma or whatever condition is not being properly managed. For, if, if I hear you right, the, the ACO provides some collaboration and, and payment incentives where if, if they – uh, if everybody working together in the ACO keeps that patient out of the hospital, that the patient clearly wins, uh, the people paying uh, for the health care win, and, and the organizations providing the care will win as well? Right. So maybe, maybe I'll transfer this and, and think about it. If we think of different models of paying for care, fee-for-service versus an ACO. So... And then think about the three big things we need to do in healthcare. So I'm going to really simplify this to say there's only three things we need to do in healthcare. The first thing we need to do is we need to keep people healthy. In a fee for service model, you don't get paid for that. So there's no incentive to do that other than the moral incentive to try to do keep people healthy. In an accountable care organization, you've got financial risk for people's health. The healthier they are, the better you do financially. So the ACO model clearly in, is better connected to keeping people healthy. The second thing we need to do is when people get sick, we need to restore them to full health as quickly as possible with the least complications and the most efficient way we can do that. 
again, the fee-for-service model doesn't align with that very well because the more we do, the more we get paid. And the, unfortunately, the more complications a patient has, the more we get paid. Whereas the accountable care organization really is now we can look at that and say, well, a hospital in this mechanism sort of becomes a cost center. It's not a profit center. It's, it's really a cost center. So you absolutely can't afford to have complications and rework and defects in ways. And then the third thing that we really need to do in healthcare, if you talk to patients or customers, is most people really want at the end of their life, they want to have a relatively painless, relatively short transition plan to dying, or in too many people's beliefs, to the new world, transition from this world to the next. Nobody that I hear says, yeah, I really would like to suffer for two years. You know, so those are the three things. And in the fee-for-service methodology, if you say, well, we want to not have a long, painless, run-off death, the more you do to people, the more you get paid. The more chemotherapy you administer, the more you get paid. The more time in the ICU, the more you get paid. In the ACO methodology, it's like it's focusing on quality of life and quantity of life. So when you think about those three things, and you'd have to argue or come to agreement with me that those are the three things that people want most in life when it comes to their health, but if those are the three things, the current way we're paying for it is all cattywampus. So when I think about an ACO, I have lots of thoughts. One is, wow, that might be the right way to do it, but how do I ever transition when 100% of the way I get paid today is in fee-for-service to this entirely new way. That's a hot, an entirely new way of thinking. I'm going to need different competencies, different skill sets to do that. So how would I even start thinking about it? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, with, I mean, so it seems like, you know, the ACO concept, Sounds uh, it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, reducing waste, improving quality, uh, improving um, you know quality and outcomes and quality of life. I mean, is this a type of situation where the devil's in the details? And I'm curious, maybe in that the, context, the devil's in the details. But there's another thing about it that people haven't thought about much. So we know that one of the principles of lean is no problem is a problem, right? How many times have we heard people say that? But putting that into a question, so what payment methodology will best surface problems and will best reveal the problems and the defects and the waste? And my answer to that is also an ACO. Because when you pay for fee-for-service, I don't think it really surfaces those problems. And you can cover them up because you're getting paid for this extra stuff. But in an ACO model, all of a sudden, when you're on the hook for the cost and the quality, they're going to stand out real quickly like, well, we can't afford to have X percent of wound infections after surgery or this or that. You're really going to be on the hook um, for improving that. So it's sort of a different way to think about it, but think about what payment mechanism will most surface problems. Now, if we're in the, our way of thinking, which so many have been for a long time, that we don't want to surface problems, well, the last thing we want to do is get another patient complaint. We don't want to surface problems. Then we're going to have an incredibly hard time shifting to an ACO 
or trialing it. But if, but if we're in the mindset that we've learned enough about lean to say, hey, you know, this is a good thing to surface problems, then that's yet another reason why an ACO is a, is a good uh, thing to, you know, consider. I mean, so, some of this is maybe an extension of the idea of um, the federal government and, and other payers not paying for uh, the quote-unquote never events, such as um, hospital-acquired infections, falls, things like that. Correct. It's, it's somewhat of an extension to that. It's taking it from a, a, a single case specific to generalizing it to patient population. Yep. Yeah, and so can you talk a little bit about you know your decision, ThetaCare's decision to participate in an ACO? I mean, this, this is still, is it fair to say, a small number of organizations that are piloting this approach? Well, there are 32 that are pilots with Medicare. So uh, there's like 6,000 hospitals. I'm guessing that amounts to maybe, let's use round numbers, 1,000 healthcare systems. So we're one of the 3%. But I should qualify this. This was not ThetaCare. This was ThetaCare and Bell and Health with our physician partners. Um, this was not a ThetaCare-only decision. This is with our physician partners collectively deciding that this was a good thing to do. Now, why we chose to do this was a, a couple of things that made it easier for us. One is the way this is set up, the Pioneer ACO is set up, is that um, there's a national trend of increased health care expenditures for Medicare. And for us to be successful, we have to have our rate of increase less than the national average. And our logic for this is that historically we've been less than the national average. And secondly, if 3% of the organizations in the country are trying to work hard, harder than the other 97%, to improve quality and reduce costs, and the other 97% are in a fee-for-service mindset, sort of just conceptually it would make sense that we have a pretty good chance of bringing our cost increase, our trend, less than the national average because we're working on it and they aren't. The other part that made it pretty easy for us was that Medicare really, really wants people to be willing to be, a, you know, pioneers. So they actually crafted something that if we're unhappy, that with 60-day notice we could drop out. So the risk to us of having something unexpected happen that would cost us millions of dollars, if we think it's fairly small, but in the event that happens, we haven't signed our life away for like five years. We could we could walk away with a 60-day letter, and we could be out of it, out of the program. So those two things made it pretty tolerable for us. And and we say the pilot is with Medicare, so Medicare will be paying under the, this ACO model. Uh, private insurers um, will still be paying. You're still getting paid on a fee for service basis, somewhat in parallel with the right, ACO right. model. Right. So what that means is we're piling with 20% of our revenue. So, you know, we don't want to try an experiment. We wouldn't be much of an experiment to do that with every payer we had, right? That wouldn't be an experiment. That would be just a, a huge change. So this is 20%. So we want to pilot this with 20% and sort of see what happens. Learn from that. Um, so it's sort of the... Um, Think globally, but act locally. Phrase of uh, physicians for social responsibility. 
You know, so we're we're thinking big, but we want to pilot something that's more manageable with controllable risk, and learn as we go, and then have more conversations about how is it working and whether we should expand this approach to commercial payers. And I'm I'm guessing that decision's based on kind of a balanced view of measures, things that I'm um, I'm guessing are aligned with the the different dimensions of your true north. You're going to be looking at quality and safety, outcomes, financial performance for the organization. I mean, is that part of uh, your evaluation criteria and the partner organizations that you're working with? Um, so Bell and & Health and, and the physician groups? Assume well, it will be. It will also right? be trying to get a sense for if we were to convert not just 20% of our business, but say shifts of more than half of our business, our revenue, came under this payment model, what would be required? You know, I'm sure it's a different set of skills and competencies than what we have today in a fee-for-service world. So how would that work? You know, what would, would, what would be required? So we're sort of trying to open up the, the, uh, the work on this to try to figure that out. So we don't have a clue whether that transition cost of going from our currently getting paid to this way for all our business, is that a, is that, how big of a deal is that? Um, and what we don't want to do is uh, do that all at once because that sort of feels like we're betting the company on our ability to manage effectively in this new world. But, you know, we may not be able to, so we want to learn as we go. And so one other thing I'm curious about, you know, with um, you know, the, uh, the great things ThetaCare has done with, with Lane and TPS under you know, the ThetaCare improvement system, how do you see that being complementary or, you know, supporting um, that transition to ACO? You've mentioned a lot of things you know, in context of ACO that are familiar, lean terminology, of course, you know, reducing defects, improving quality, um, providing better value. Um, how, how do you see that? How do you anticipate or, you know, see that fitting together for you? Well, uh, again, staying at a higher level conceptually, if, if we're in a fee-for-service world, uh, you get paid more than due, so the race is to see how can you do more things to people. So it's, that's the way it is. Um, it's fee-for-volume is what it is. And the ACO is fee-for-value. So when you're not focused on volume or focused on value, the key thing you have to be able to do is probably be able to increase the value of what you're providing to the customer. So now it's all about improvement. No matter where you start, no matter what community you're in, it's about can you improve at a more rapid rate than you did last year. And in our, our mindset, that is the essence of, of Lean, is creating an improvement organization that can learn and improve more rapidly this year than last year. And, oh, by the way, it would be probably a good thing if you could improve or learn more rapidly than your competition. So it's all about improvement and learning. And it seems like, you know, uh, from what you describe of, you know, starting with a, a pilot, um, yeah, it sounds like, you know, there's some strong hypotheses about how this is going to work, but being open to learning and, and being adaptive, it seems like the experience that, that you and the other Theta Care leaders have with that mindset is, is going to serve you well through that ACO experimentation evaluation process, right? 
Well, we hope so, and we do have uh, some past experience with that. So we owned our own health plan, our own HMO, from 1987 to 2004. So although that's been eight years since we sold that health plan, um, it was a big enough part of our business that we remember what that was like. Um, depending on your perspective, you can call that the good old days, or you can say that was the worst days of my life. Um, but we do have some of that experience, so it, it helps us to say, well, you know, in a way this is sort of like going back to the health plan days, but it is different. So um, it does help us sort of um, get comfortable with taking that risk, though. Sure. Um, well, great. So, um, and Dean, you're going to be talking about this uh, as one of the sessions at the Lean Healthcare Transformation Summit, um, June 6th and 7th in Minneapolis. Is there anything else that you want to share, um, you know, kind of previewing what you're going to say or, or what you expect um, from that time? Well, just that this was a uh, fairly spontaneous conversation that uh, you asked me to have. I have not prepared a single slide yet. So, um, you know, having you ask me a lot of questions is going to help me sort of think through some of the things that I want to share at that. But I can assure people that whatever I share in June 6th and 7th will be fresh because it won't be based on some slides that I was talking off today. Well, and uh, it sounds like this is rapidly evolving. So the difference between April and June, there'll be more learning, more progress, new thoughts. So. Oh, oh, sure. I mean, two months in healthcare is now an eternity. <laughs> I seem. Yeah. Well, Dean, thanks for you know giving a preview of the talk for those who are going to be able to uh, attend the summit, and uh, for those who who won't be able to go, um, you know, thanks for giving uh, a good introduction to um, to ACOs and what you uh, are working on there at ThetaCare. So, thanks again for sharing that with us today. You bet. You're welcome, uh, Mark, and have a great day. Thanks. You too. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.